This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to Brownstone Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, writer for the OBR, writer for Cleveland.com, coming at you guys late in this week, uh, looking to address more of the Freddie Kitchens as the Browns' next head coach content. I think it's going to be interesting to see over the next uh, few days and into the weekend how Kitchens uh, forms his staff and forms the uh, important aspects of the of the group around him because I think as, as great as it is that the Browns were able to hire Freddie Kitchens, and if you didn't get a chance, myself and Jordan Zerm did a quick emergency pod the other day on the announcement from Chris Mortensen. And has been picked up by others, obviously, that Freddie Kitchens will be the next head coach. I know nothing official has come yet, and some of you have uh, asked that question. I wouldn't concern yourself too much about that. I think they're working out the finer details of the contract and probably working out some of his staff first. So, uh, again, I wouldn't worry too much. But if you do get a chance, it's posted on the Brownsville Breakdown uh, iTunes page, obviously, and then also on the rebuild from Jordan Zerman. I would suggest that you follow along. You probably already do with the rebuild, what Jordan's doing over there. But yeah, if you guys do get a chance, listen to that emergency pod. And then, yeah, we're going to keep plugging forward and uh, looking at the future of this offseason and, and how Freddie Kitchens will shape this team. The goal will be to bring as many people on to give us perspective, give us the history and vibe of the franchise. And that's going to be important as we head into what will be the highest expectations for a single season for the Browns since, I would say, 2008. So the goal will be to uh, bring on as many people who have been covering the Browns as long as possible, get their feeling. Then we're going to have some draft content, some free agency primer, all of that good stuff. And uh, Browns Film Breakdown will obviously have its YouTube channel with plenty of content as well as we look at the coordinators that are brought in to help Freddie Kitchens. So um, follow along as, as best we can. But until then, let's get over to our guest who will give us a really good historical breakdown of the Browns and give us a, uh, you know the vibe of the city and all of those important things as, as Kitchens is going to be named head coach here in the, in the immediate future. Okay, guys, excited to bring on another guest I think you guys will love, a voice you have read and, and heard for a long time in the Cleveland scene covering sports in, in the city. Uh, Bud Shaw is with me here, WKYC writer. Obviously, Bud, I'm honored to have you on. Thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me, Jake. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I want to gauge you on a couple of the ever-so-popular off-season topics, right? Um, and I'll start with this. The buzz around the city for the Browns, I, I've been trying to get various opinions on all of this, what some people who have covered the Browns and have been in the trenches for the good, the the, the, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, the vibe, I just kind of want your opinion, the vibe around this team as it compares to maybe the 2007 year uh, into the 2008 offseason, um, and then maybe when they came back in 99. Where, where does it feel for you? Well, I, I would say that the uh... – the 2007 is an interesting comparison, but the, the biggest difference there, I think, is Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. Um, as good a year as Derek Anderson had in 2007, 
um, I think there wasn't the same feeling that there was this year because, you know, Mayfield was not only the number one pick in the draft, but he came and had such a great rookie year. So I think people now see the ceiling, you know, much higher than they did back in 2008 when that team came back. The, the, the similarity, I think, is that the way 2007 ended, it, it you know, it ended with them going 10 and six, but not making the playoffs because, you know, the Colts kind of cashed in the last, the last game and the, the, the Browns needed them to win. And, you know, so there was that disappointment, but there was, at the same time, there was that feeling of, you know, unfulfilled potential. Like that team could have gone farther, could have made the playoffs and is going to be good again. And then of course they came back in 2008 and, you know, had a terrible season. So I don't think anyone sees the possibility of this team taking a step back next year, not just because of Mayfield, but because they have so many good young players and now a coach who seems to, uh, you know, have hit it off and, and found some, you know, dynamic relationship with, uh, with the franchise quarterback. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's obviously a great point about the 2007 team. I think that's interesting that there was a lot of, a lot of really good young talent in Kellen Winslow and, and Braylon Edwards and some of those names. And even Jamal Lewis had put together a really nice mm-hmm. season. But I, I, I'm 100% behind the idea of most at the time didn't believe in the longevity that came with Derek Anderson. And it's a completely different aura with this young guy that they have now. Does it compare well to 99? I know 99 was a different feeling, but is there just a general buzz that this could be um, to that level of excitement, I guess is what I'm getting Yeah, at? I mean, 99 was was just the you know, the thrill of having a team back, but, but the excitement level, I don't think was about that, whether that team was going to be good enough to make the playoffs or win a division. You know, I remember, you know, that year, um, talking with Dwight Clark, you know, who was the general manager at the time. And, and, you know, they had drafted Tim couch, um, but the plan, you know, it sounded a little similar to, to what I think these guys had in mind for Mayfield. You know, I remember him telling me, we're not playing, we're not playing uh, Tim Couch, you know, in 99. We're just not, you know, we're not going to ruin this guy and put him back there. And then, you know, one half into the season, Chris Palmer saw what was going on with Ty Detmer and, and that team being unable to protect him and knew where this, where this was heading and, and decided to put Couch in. So, um, that was the, the only similarity, I think, is that there were two good young quarterbacks, but the rest of the team wasn't anywhere near ready to to perform and support Couch, who just, unfortunately for him, just got beat up for the two or three years, I think, sacked more than any other quarterback in the league at the time. Yeah, no, those those are great points. Um, you know, I think it's what the, the way I found it to be a little bit interesting in some of those parallels is it felt <laughs> It, with you know, without sugarcoating it, it's almost felt like the Browns have been gone the last few years with how they've performed, and yeah. and, and then you all of a sudden. No, that's a good point. Yeah, you, you all of a sudden. Yeah, that really on. is the truth. And you know, and, and you know, running into neighbors, and you know, listen, back in the '99, 2000, the early 2000s when Butch Davis walked in, you know, I, I'm living in the same neighborhood now as I lived in then, a near West Side neighborhood in Cleveland, and um a lot of my neighbors used to congregate on Sundays and they wouldn't miss a game. They'd be in the backyard of a guy who was across the street from me and had the big man cave. And I'll tell you over the last four or five years, that has not been the case at all. You know, so many of these guys 
that that were diehard fans just gave up their you know their their tickets first and and their allegiance followed and uh that's that's why i think this is you know this is such an exciting uh possibility now for for the browns and the city of cleveland you know, I got here in 91 and I only heard about what this could be when it was a real Brownstown, you know, with Kosar and Schottenheimer and those guys in the 80s. I, I never saw it. And, and when I got here in 91, I thought, oh, it won't, it'll just be a few years and I'll, I'll see what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And here we are, you know, 27 years, 28 years later, and it hasn't been anything like people lived through and enjoyed here in the 80s. And finally, it has a chance to be, I think. Yeah, that that's uh, that's good insight because, you know, I, I mean, I obviously have never lived in Cleveland personally, um, just grown up in sort of what I call the melting pot of of Ohio sports and Columbus right around Columbus. And it's mm-hmm. I've tried to talk to people as much as I can about how important it is that the Browns don't lose another generation of fans. And, um, you know, this this hope with Mayfield ties into ties into hopefully keeping those folks around or coming back on board. And that that's great to see. So I, I'll shift tangents just just slightly the kitchen's mm-hmm. higher uh, obviously it is yeah. it's official without being official um just your initial reaction to it what did you think of the coaching search and then do you think freddie's the uh the answer here well uh, when when the coaching you know I, I had probably these grandiose expectations of what the search was going to be you know not only because i think this has turned into one of the premier jobs in the league but also because you know i saw in john dorsey a guy that you know, had bided his time and waited. He had never gotten a chance to hire a head coach. And I just assumed that his, his list was going to be, you know, filled with marquee names, right. Of guys that he's respected and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, go, he'd go after Lincoln Riley or, you know, maybe go to Baylor and talk to Matt rule or, and now we don't know, maybe he did some of this stuff way behind the scenes and learned that, you know, some of those guys weren't interested. But for so from that standpoint of my oversized expectations, I found the coaching search to be a little disappointing at, at one point when when they talked about a finalist, two finalists, Kevin Stefanski and Freddie Kitchens. But I understand why they decided that Kitchens um, would be the guy. Uh, I think it's a it's a bit of a risk because he's never held. Uh, two jobs like this, especially one as big as NFL head coach. Um, but certainly I think it's an investment uh, in Baker Mayfield. And I might be crazy here, but it seems to me that it's somewhat of a reaction to seeing Baker Mayfield with a coach in the beginning of the season that he didn't trust and had no relationship with that. They, they know that what hit, what it looks like to them is that he has a fairly special relationship and has really responded to what Kitchens is doing, and I don't think they wanted to lose that. Yeah, that's another great point because, and I haven't thought of it that way because you, you you're right. You get one end of it is him working under a guy he can't. I mean, it became obvious in late in the year that he couldn't stand. It was really just yeah. a perfect storm for Freddie to get the job. You get Hugh and Haley performing one of the worst. Uh, acts of their careers between the <laughs> yeah, two of really, them, right? Really. And then yeah, and then you get that as terrible as it was, then you get you get Kitchens performing at the, the elite level that the offense turned into. And yeah, it, it so many things had to go right for him to climb the ladder to even be considered and then climbing the ladder to get the job. So yeah, that that's a yeah, really I mean, interesting thing. Yeah, I mean, you fire two coaches for internal dis because of internal discord, and then what follows looks like 
perfect harmony, you know, between those uh, between the offensive coordinator and the uh, and the franchise quarterback. And um, I I think Dorsey is good enough at his job that he sees beyond the fact that Freddie Kitchens is a good play caller. Yeah. Um, at least I would like to think he does. And I think he sees he must see some traits in Freddie Kitchens that would say to him, I want this guy as my head coach, even if Baker Mayfield and he have a falling out at some point or they don't have that that, you know, hand to hand relationship that 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 they had last year, that it, that if that relationship frays somewhere along the way, does does Freddie Kitchens still have that that it factor as a head coach? And you'd like to think that Dorsey has concluded that either he does now or that he will based on his personality in a few years. Another, I mean, that's another great point. And, and I think that, um, well, let me ask you this. I'll, I'll, I'll throw a curveball at here. I didn't really prep mm-hmm. you with this one. A popular theory that's kind of floated around is that they saw this potential in, in Freddie in the, in the preseason, letting him call game four. Now I think that's probably tied to Todd Haley, who lets one of his assistants call the preseason game. And, uh, mm-hmm. And, and he's always done that, and Freddie was a guy he brought in. But do you think when they brought, uh, when they gave Greg the interim role and they gave Freddie the coordinator role, do you think those – this is my vibe, and you can tell me whether you're in line with it or you think it's crazy. Mm-hmm. I just thought they were throwaways. I just thought they needed to figure out a way to finish the year and, and try to, to – they were obviously trying to win football games, but it never felt like those guys were going to be in serious consideration for this job. It just felt like they were names to fill the role because I felt like if they were going to consider somebody seriously, it was probably going to be Haley. I think that was the path everybody considered. Did you, did you yeah. is this a path you saw them really forward thinking with that? Or was it when they brought no. those guys on, you're like, eh, I mean, it's just finish the year sort of thing. Yeah. I thought it was just finish the year. Um, you know, I thought that they, uh, they clearly saw, uh, Mayfield struggling under Haley and whether, you know, whether that was Haley's fault or not, um, who knows exactly. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I know, I have a friend who knows some people in the front office and, you know, he, he has told me all along that, that Greg Williams was never a serious consideration to be retained. That it was, he's just not the kind of personality that they want as a head coach. Uh, whether that's fair or unfair, I don't know. He did a terrific job, sure obviously, yeah. but, um, I don't think that – so when, when they named Greg Greg Williams, I don't think it was with any thought that, hey, let's see how this guy does, and if he does well, you know, we'll add him to the mix. I think that, that was a courtesy interview because they thought he deserved it at the end of the year, but I don't think they ever – as early as they they interviewed him, I think it was like, okay, Greg, you know, nice job. Here's your interview, and now we're going to get on with our search. I don't think it was an ever, ever a serious thing. And I think they liked uh, the same person told me that they've liked Freddie for a real long time. Um, but what does that mean? You know, does that mean we like him as head coaching material or do we like his personality? Do we like the way he works with players and other coaches? Mm-hmm. I, I never got a handle on that, but, but I'll give Dorsey, you know, some credit for, there's no way that the list of head coaching candidates he brought from Kansas city had Freddie Kitchen's name on it. There's just no possible way it did. And he was at least, you know, he said, during that December 31st press conference, he said, you know, yeah, I have a list, but that list is always changing. And mm-hmm. to his credit, he was open-minded, I think, and saw that it should should change again and that, you know, Kitchen should get some consideration. 
yeah, and kudos and kudos to John Dorsey, obviously for for giving him. They could have they could have went a safer route uh, with the coordinator. They could have kept Haley. There's many ways they could have gone, but they yeah they gave they gave Freddie the the opportunity, and it it all sort of came to fruition. Last last question I want to get your opinion on, and I think it's important as we head into this off season with a sizable amount of free agency dollars and a long mm-hmm. window, three year window. Your quarterback gives you on a rookie deal and eleven more draft picks. Is is where do you what do you think 2019 looks like? What should the expectations be on, uh, you know, for the fan base that's that you think is fair? Well, I think it's it's. Uh, I'd like to know for a fact that Kitchens is um, is going to be calling plays as a as a head coach. I assume that that was the reason they elevated him to head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the offensive coordinator candidates that we hear they're talking to. You know, or guys that have called plays before, so it leads me to believe that maybe Kitchens isn't going to, and I, 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 that's a bit of a question mark there. Yeah. And I also am not sure. You know, I would like to know where they're heading with this defensive coordinator position. But all in all, if they find competent people for those roles, and Kitchens continues to run a creative offense, I think Mayfield only gets better. I think the playoffs are are easily not easily, but I think they mm-hmm. they. Sh- should be sort of the playoffs next year if everyone's relatively healthy. If they don't miss, you know, lose Mayfield for a certain amount of time, if they fall short, I think it'll be a, it'll be a disappointment. And it hasn't been that way, obviously, for a long, long time. Probably 2008 would be the the last time that you know that you a season started and you thought, oh, this team should be right there, and it wasn't. Um, I think this team will be. Uh, when I called it one of the best jobs in the league, you know, a lot of that is Baker Mayfield. Um, but it's also what you just alluded to the, the, or, or talk about the, the draft choices, the, the, what is it? Almost 80 million in cap money. I yeah, mean, it's, it it, it's significant, you know, it's a, it's having a franchise pass rusher and a shutdown corner and, you know, a terrific franchise running back, if you want to call them a franchise running back. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have a lot of pieces in place. And I think it's only fair for people to say, great job in 2018, but 2019 should be a payoff year. I'm with it. I think that they're they're certainly in a position to to capitalize. I'm, 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 I'm a fan of keeping one side of the ball. For the most part, obviously, they let go of Bob Wiley, but for the most part, yeah. they've kept a lot of offensive continuity that they can hit the ground running there come OTAs and camp. And, you know, the defense the last half of the year, although Greg, like you mentioned, and I've tried to be uh, outspoken about this as well, just did a fantastic job getting them to five and three to end the year. And mm-hmm. um, kudos to him. But the defense was 28th in the league at that point. They, they really struggled down the stretch. And I yeah, think that I'm, that... I'm glad you meant I'm glad you mentioned that because a lot of people don't, you know, they. They, uh, they they sort of transposed the good job that Greg Williams did as a head coach mm-hmm. onto the onto the defense and and I think the defense really suffered and and didn't play anywhere near as well as the offense did in that last you know six to eight games. Yeah, and I'd imagine that's a big part of what they considered when when they gave Greg that interview. I think if the defense had really dominated toward the end of the year, they might have had a decision on their hands that was a little different. I think I'm with you no matter what way this all shook out. They weren't going to allow Greg to be the voice, and John Dorsey wasn't going to tie his hitch to his second GM job in the NFL to to Greg Williams. I'm with you. But it would have been more difficult. But as it stands, I think they do need a new voice defensively, and that will will hopefully shake out some – 
some some more positive results on that side of the football. But that's that's it, guys. That's the the wrap for this episode. If you're not following Bud, I would obviously encourage you to do so at Bud Shaw. Uh, you can find all of his great work at WKYC. Uh, if I would imagine anybody who follows me or following him, but, but thanks for coming on uh, and taking some time here in your evening. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Jake. Anytime. Absolutely. Okay, guys, that's a wrap. If you can follow uh, like and do all of those good things on iTunes, subscribe. Uh, but until next week, we will be back with a, another episode of Brownstone breakdown. Thanks for joining us and go Browns. Mm-hmm.